Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Welcome to the first episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm Erin Holt of Erin Holt Health, and I'm here with Kyle True of True Healing Nutrition. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, Erin and I met about 10 years ago when we were both studying for our bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics. We immediately hit it off and developed a lifelong friendship, so it's really fun to be working together again professionally. Yes, indeed it is, considering we text about the time. super inappropriate stuff every single day. It's nice yep. to put our minds to good use. So in this first episode, we're going to dive into a little bit of our personal and professional backstories, just so you get to know the people behind the voices, who we are, why we say the stuff that we do. We're going to talk about why we started this podcast in the first place and what we hope to do with it. We'll also address a listener question. Ultimately, this podcast is for you, the listener. So we want to be sure we're addressing the questions that you have. When I pulled Instagram a few months back, a comment came in from, I think her name is Allison. It's Allison is her, is her Instagram <laughs> handle, which reminds me of one of my favorite Pixie songs that I won't sing. But she just said, I'd like to hear how you got into functional nutrition. So we love this because... I, we think it's a great way to introduce ourselves, and that's really what this whole episode is going to be geared towards. You'll also probably get some strong opinions along the way, or as we like to think of it, a funky spin on the information you're fed. Sound good, Kyle? I like it. Let's go. Uh, all right, let's dive in. Um, so I'm going to start off with, this is Aaron. I'm going to start off with my introduction. I, um, I grew up as kind of a chunky kid. I wasn't crazy overweight. I just prefer eating Cheez-Its and watching Nickelodeon to running around outside and playing sports. I definitely hear that. Cheez-Its and Clarissa explains it all. Yep, yep. And salute your shorts, a little bit of that too. Um, when I hit adolescence, I grew taller and therefore lost weight. And man alive, did I get some positive feedback from family, friends, and peers. And there's something you should probably understand about me. I'm kind of your classic firstborn type A perfectionist. I like live for the gold stars. So when I get positive reinforcement, I take it and I run with it. Uh, this time I did so literally. I started running and I pretty much stopped eating. I drastically reduced the food that I was eating. You got to remember that this is like the 90s. So it's that low fat, high carbohydrate paradigm. So it was uh, bagels and pasta and cornflakes and skim milk and diet Coke. Um, that was kind of like the bulk of my diet. So this continued on through through college. I went to Northeastern right out of um, right out of high school as a marketing major. 
And here I was introduced to bulimia, which sounds like kind of a weird thing to say, but it's kind of like how it happened. There was just girls doing this in the dorm room. And I, at this point, was already using food and food restriction and exercise as a form of penis. Those, so this sort of kind of like fit in nicely to that whole model, just like one more way to punish myself. Um, I think perhaps the difference between myself and other college girls was that they were able to leave it behind. Um, but for me, it, it overshadowed the next seven to eight years of my life which I know sounds like an extreme thing to say, but I really felt like this is the case. I felt like I had no control over my life. So food and body manipulation was an easy way to feel like I had some semblance of control, which of course we all know is is a complete illusion, but I didn't see it at the time. Um, This time of my life was also peppered with a lot of anxiety. I didn't think I was depressed at the time, but looking back, there was a lot of hopelessness and despair, a lot of self-hate. I identified myself with my body and I based my self-worth off of what I looked like. So if I hated my body, then therefore I hated myself. And that's a really, really hard way to live. Um, There are different types of behaviors that I use to escape my life, my emotions, like the real pain that I was feeling, food, micromanaging food, my body, exercise, binging and purging. All of these things served as ways to turn away from my pain. Uh, there's also a lot of drinking and partying at this time too. Just, just another form of escape, like anything I could do to get away. And so I, I physically got away. I bounced around a lot. I moved a lot. I went out to California. I lived in Santa Barbara for about a year. Ultimately, I came back to New Hampshire. I came back home and I was like, I got to get my life back on track. So I decided to go back to school to become a dietitian. I'd always been interested in the health and the food field. And I was also like, you know what? If I go back as a dietitian, maybe I can fix myself. I think that like was probably my ultimate plan. Now, despite the fact that University of New Hampshire was in the town that I was living and had a dietetics program, I, I just decided that I liked the program at Framingham State University. That's in uh, Framingham, Massachusetts better. So that's where I ended up. And that's actually where I met Kyle in our first year of the program. The program itself, there's a lot of good there. It's a very, very strong science curriculum. There's microbiology, chemistry, ochem, biochem. You've got nutritional biochemistry, all that good stuff. And I really do appreciate that I have that background because it's absolutely essential for understanding how food interacts within the human body. Like you can't get a nutrition education reading blogs. You just can't. Um, But at the same time, there was a very strong clinical approach here. And Kyle can speak a little bit more to that later. And that's the part that didn't resonate with me at all. Um, At this point in time, I was already dipping my toe in the whole holistic health world. And compared to what I was learning in school, what I was reading on my own, felt like alternative nutrition. Um, It was completely against the grain of what I was learning in school. So that was sort of an interesting time. I was getting my own education on the side that often conflicted with my education at school. Um, I would say my biggest issue with the program I was in was that I didn't feel like there's a whole lot of room for conversation. I'm, I'm a big why person. I don't know if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin at all, but she has something called the four tendencies. And I'm a questioner through and through. This would actually be a fun, fun future podcast episode. But I I need to understand the why. Don't just tell me something. Explain to me why. And I didn't feel like I got a whole lot of that. I would raise my hand in class to ask a question. And I kept coming up against 
this is the way it is because this is the way it is. Um, I remember one time challenging what we were being taught about GMOs. I remember this specifically. I, I asked, isn't it kind of like playing God? How can we even be sure of the long-term effects? This is like nine years ago at this point. Um, and the teacher gave me such a look of contempt as if to say, who are you to even question what's in your textbook? Uh, my experience was that there wasn't a whole lot of room for dialogue in our nutrition classes. And I don't know, Kyle, do you, would you say you felt the same way? I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, you were getting, spending time on the side researching and studying things on your own, and I wasn't. So for me, I was just kind of um, drinking the company Kool-Aid and just, you know, getting more information than I was able to get out of Shape magazine. And that that was like enough for me because I didn't know that there was really more at that point. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that's pretty true for a lot of a lot of um, people in dietetics programs studying yeah. this stuff. Like this is this is all that's out there. Um, for me personally, it was really the dialogue that I was looking for because I understood instinctively that there's no one size fits all approach to health, and there's stuff that we have to talk about that's simply not being talked about here. So once I graduated, I got my degree in nutrition and dietetics but I decided to not go on to become a registered dietitian. And part of the reason for that is everything I just mentioned. Another reason is that I had gone through this program and I still wasn't fixed. I hadn't fixed myself. I was still struggling with eating disorder stuff and chronic dieting and the whole mentality that comes along with that. And I really felt that if I don't have a handle on this, then how can I provide help and resources to somebody else? If I can't even help myself, how can I help somebody else? And I think for the most part, people know what a good diet entails. I mean, we all know that eating veggies is better than eating fried foods, right? We all know that. Yet we still eat the fried foods. Why? I, I see it as like point A is the place we're at. Point B is the place we want to be. And then there's all this gray area in the middle. And honestly, that's the stuff that I really wanted to address. I wanted to get into that gray area because I felt like the secrets were locked in there. They weren't in the black and white answers that we were being provided. So on top of that, I, I want to throw this out there. I, I, I had a real moral issue with where the American Dietetic Association, which is actually now the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, where they received their funding because they have sponsors from, from big food companies. And of course, that's going to influence the recommendations that are made to the public. Um, and that really just didn't sit well with me. Yet when I raised this concern, the one time I did, I was told to get off of my soapbox. And I, I think that was a pretty pivotal moment for me. I think that's when I decided that, you know what, I want to stand on my soapbox. I want to stand up on my tippy toes and yell real loud so the cheap seats in the back can hear me. So I ended up studying at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I know a lot of people have have heard about. Um, at this point, it was completely online based. I th did this after I graduated and I studied to become a holistic health coach. And there are some good things I can say about the program and some not so great things. Ultimately, I think the fact that I had a strong science background really enhanced that curriculum because they don't offer any of that at all. It's really just about pulling apart different dietary philosophies. Uh, but it did help me view health in a much more well-rounded, holistic fashion. And I think that's super important, as Kyle and I will talk about later on. Um, at this same time, I also started working as a nutrition educator at a health food store, which was great because I got to talk to people, like actually talk to people, work in the trenches with them, find out what they're struggling with. 
it's one thing to learn about something in school. It's another thing entirely to put it into practice with actual human beings. Um, so I also learned a lot about herbs and supplementation. I got to work with a lot of different companies. I got to see a lot of back-end stuff in the industry, and that was all super helpful in launching me toward where I was headed. Um, at the same time, I also started practicing vinyasa yoga. I was a runner and kept getting hurt. So I went with my mom to a yoga class and pretty much never looked back. It was absolutely life-changing for me. So much so that I started a yoga teacher training. I became a yoga teacher. I left the health food store, started teaching yoga pretty full time while also doing group and private nutrition uh, work on the side. And I steadily, like super slowly built up my nutrition practice. And now that's what I do. I have my nutrition practice part-time and I'm also home part-time with my three-year-old daughter. Yeah, I remember motherhood and the beginning transition for that. I I always felt like you were just going to be a natural mother, but um, it's it's it looked really hard. It yeah, motherhood did not it did not come easy to me. We didn't get a sleeper, um, so I was exhausted, stressed out, and wasn't feeling well at all. In fact, when she was a year old, I got super, super sick. And then I ended up being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called systemic sclerosis. And that was life-changing. Um, that prompted a pretty significant lifestyle change. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a future episode. Um, but point is, is I've struggled with quite a bit of my own health issues. But I think because of the way I live my life and the decisions I make and the food that I eat, I've been able to really rebuild my health despite um, that super scary diagnosis. Yeah. Did you find that your diagnosis after that, that it changed how you practiced nutrition in your in your business? Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be fair to say. Um, I think my vulnerability with this stuff and my willingness to talk about my struggles has shifted my nutrition practice a little bit. Uh, you know, it started as a way to get women off of the diet train. Women come to me that I've been on the diet roller coaster for years and years and years, and they just need to get off and they need to learn how to eat. You know, we're, we're taught as women in this culture how to diet, but we're never taught how to just eat food without the guilt or the shame. Uh, like how many recipes have you seen online? Guilt-free cookies, guilt-free cake or whatever. Like what the F? Why does guilt have to be in the equation at all ever, ever with eating? It, it shouldn't. And this chronic dieting and guilt and stress about food absolutely leads to health issues later on down the road. I mean, I think I'm a perfect walking example of that. But anyway, that's kind of a tangent. Um, I still see a lot of women like that now, but I'm also seeing women with some pretty significant health uh, wonkiness, like random things popping off in their bodies. And they've been to doctors and specialists and nutritionists, and they're not getting any answers. And I can relate to this so much. I feel like that's been the story of most of my life, going to doctors and being like, hey, something's not right here and then being told you're fine and then feeling like I'm crazy. So I think because of this and because of my own health investigation and journey, my approach with what I do started to shift toward more functional nutrition, getting to the root cause of what's going on. So I think to like pull this all full circle and answer Allison's question about how I personally got into functional nutrition I really think it was my own health issues and my own struggles that led me here. Um, I needed answers and I wasn't getting any. Obviously, if I'm implementing this in my own life, then it's going to impact how I how I interact with clients. So when when you, Kyle, started at the 
Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy and started sending me what you were studying, I knew it was right up my alley um, and exactly what I needed. So I signed up immediately. So um, I just talked for a ridiculously long time. And <laughs> Kyle, why don't you take the reins for a little bit and tell us about yourself? Okay. Uh, so for as long as I can remember, I've been interested in nutrition. My mom managed a health club for a lot of my life and all of my first jobs were random jobs around the club. So I was around that lifestyle a lot. Um, I ended up going to school for business though and getting an associates and that just still not sure of what I wanted to do in the long run. And it wasn't until my, uh, my best friend Gwen, her graduation, when I heard them call the nutrition and dietetics students. And this was at, she graduated at Framingham State University where Erin and I met. And it just dawned on me that I could go to school for that. I, I guess I, I just didn't even know up until then. So I jumped right from finishing the business degree into the dietetics program. And just like Erin said, there was a lot about the program I, I liked. There was a lot that I didn't like too. Um, but at the time, I, I really had no experience with alternative nutrition programs. I just wanted to be credentialed and call it a day. Um, so since then, I've been working as uh, in clinical, only as clinical since I became an RD. I've only worked in hospitals. Um, I typically cover ICUs, medical and surgical units. And I started my ICU training at a hospital in Brockton, Mass. And for those of you who live in Massachusetts, you know how often Brockton is in the news for some crazy ass stuff. Uh, because of this, I was exposed to a ton of different and complicated cases, and it just made the work really exciting. Yeah, that job was nuts. I remember hearing stories about it and just thinking you were such a badass for that. Yeah, I loved clinical so much that I got my CNSC credential, and that's um, for feeding patients through feeding tubes or IVs. So very clinical there. There were no like juice cleanses <laughs> during my my work days. All right. So despite loving that job, because you really did, I can attest to that, um, you then made a pretty significant shift. So why don't you tell us more about that? Yeah. So anyone who knows me knows that I hate the cold. And it's not that I have anything against winter per se. I am just always cold. I have always been always cold. So we got about nine feet of snow um, in the winter of 2014, and that was just about it for me. So my husband and I decided to relocate to Asheville, North Carolina. And about a year before we left, I started having some health issues, some of which I'm still dealing with today. Erin um, and I will end up doing an entire podcast about our health journey, so more to come on that later. Yeah, as I sort of touched upon, we're um, hot messes, so we <laughs> we need some time to get into all that good stuff. Yeah, we have we have a bit of personal experience to share. <laughs> um, so once my husband and I got to town and I started working, I just felt as though something was missing. Um, the hospital was very different from where I had worked before, and for the first time, I just started to feel like that wasn't the environment that I was going to be happy in for the long haul. Uh, so when I tried to figure out what was going on with me health-wise before we moved, I basically would go to doctors and get the choice of prescriptions that would help, but only as long as I continued to use them, or I got no answers at all. And, and like what you said, just kind of made to feel like it was in my head. Um, and I'm not sure which is more frustrating, like taking a prescription to no end or just getting no answers. 
But either way, when we got to Asheville, I made a point to find an integrative practitioner and only spend my time and money uh, seeing people who really listened to me and didn't rush me through the appointments and were willing to dig to find the root cause of my issues. I think it's ironic um, when people think of health problems as a blessing, but for me and a lot of other integrative and functional practitioners, it really is a blessing because oftentimes it's our own health problems that end up leading us down different roads looking for answers. Oh, 100. I feel like my uh, potentially fatal disease that I got diagnosed with in some ways like saved my life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I hadn't, haven't had all the things that I've had, I, I think I would be practicing um, a very different angle of mm-hmm. nutrition. For sure. So my road ultimately led me to a master's program in functional medicine and nutrition because I wanted to know the why more than I wanted my symptoms to just temporarily go away. And after two semesters, I found that kind of demand and time requirement of a master's program. It just did not fit my life and the work-life balance that I wanted. Uh, It was an incredibly hard decision because on one side, I felt like a failure knowing other people working full-time jobs who were parents on top of that. And they just managed to make it through the master's program. But for me... I had just gotten married, I'd moved to a new place, and I could not enjoy my life because I was so busy with work and school. And because of this, the stress got so bad that I was always running on little sleep. I was doing work every weekend. I was skipping morning workouts to do schoolwork uh, before going to work all day. I was working all night until I'd go to bed, eating dinner while I'm working at my desk, And during this time, I kept having all these crazy skin reactions all over my body, all my face, my my chest, my back, I mean, everywhere. And my digestion was also uh, getting really messed up. So I knew that it was all because of stress, but it was just really hard for me to admit that. I think um, we are both very type A's and... Yeah, it was just really hard for me to admit that I, I really couldn't handle it and uh, it must be my body messing up. It can't be the stress, you know, it's something, something that I just need to fix. But for me, it was, I had this idea of stressed, too stressed out being like the old Kathy comics where your hair is all frizzy and crazy and you are just (laughs) like hot mess. So it took me a while before I could admit that I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And just because I wasn't totally falling apart doesn't mean that I wasn't suffering. Uh, yeah, the, the fixers, I that's how yeah. I consider us. Like, we just need to fix this. We just need to fix this. And I, it's so awesome that you were able to recognize all of this, but unfortunately for so many of us, and I'm like raising my hand as I say this, it takes a health crisis to wake us up. Sort of what we touched upon before. And like you said, we're, we're so used to functioning at high levels of stress that we don't even realize we're stressed anymore. I remember talking to you on the phone and you gave me like this laundry list of things you had to do every day. And I'm like, it sounds like you're under stress. And you're like, no, I, I think I'm handling it pretty okay. Like, <laughs> it's like, well, your body's systematically crying. breaking apart, falling, <laughs> falling apart. So maybe you're not. Um, but there was so much on your plate at that point. You didn't even have room for you. I no. just see that all the time with my clients. And I know you agree with this, Kyle. This is strongly my opinion. Stress mitigation is the most important thing we can do for ourselves and our health. Yet it's the one 
most overlooked. We let, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll handle our stress when we have time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we're just products are in, of our environment. We're a do more, go harder, keep up culture. We wear stress and we wear busyness like badges of honor. It's like, look how, look how busy I am. It's like the same thing as saying, hey, look how important I am. And we tell ourselves that one day we'll quote unquote work on our stress, right? But it always takes a backseat. It always gets overshadowed by all the other things on our list. And I think it's because deep down, we feel like we should be able to handle the stress, like you were saying, and then we feel like failures if we can't. Exactly. You nailed it. I think I'm also, I know, I'm also a habitual comparer, uh, which you know about me. And I think a lot of people can relate to that also. So when I see other people managing what looks like a lot more than I'm doing, it just can totally mess with my head and make it harder for me to be okay with doing less than that. Um, I also think that I truly wanted to practice what I preached and make my health and self-care as much of a priority, if not more, than any other priority in my life. So in the end, I made the decision to withdraw from that program and take some time off. And not surprisingly, most of my skin issues resolved from doing that, and my digestion also improved. Um... I ended up finding the perfect program for me at the Integrative and Functional Nutrition Academy, which so far has been exactly what I've been looking for. Uh, The program is geared towards registered dietitians. Uh, If you have enough clinical practice as a nutritionist, they uh, could potentially waive that requirement and allow you into the program. Um, But it is geared towards registered dietitians, nurse practitioners, uh, health practitioners, but just it's not a health coach kind of thing. Yeah. And that's sort of how I snuck my way in because I'm not a diet, a registered dietitian, but, um, because I have the clinical practice with, as a nutritionist, um, and I have my undergrad degree in nutrition and dietetics. That's how I weaseled my way in. But before we go on, I, you did touch upon something pretty major that I want to kind of circle back to practicing what you preach. You said you wanted to practice what you preach. And I think that is everything in this profession because we're it's this day and age when when anyone can be a health expert i'm using air quotes or a guru or a nutrition coach or whatever so how do people know who to listen to who to trust it's actually a question i'm kind of asked pretty often and i say look to how people are living their lives what are they doing in their homes how are they feeding their kids do they take care of themselves on an emotional level do they rest i'm not saying that people have to be perfect i'm I'm definitely not saying that but i do personally i look for transparency like let me in a little bit and show me that you're walking your talk it's not always easy it's a process right so so show us that show us how it might not be easy for you Um, but how can you actively trust somebody who's not doing what they're telling other people to do so I do applaud you for seeing that and then course correcting. Thanks, buddy. Oh, you got it. All right. So, Kyle, since we're since we're on you, why don't you tell me what what you hope to get out of this podcast? What why you wanted to do this podcast in the first place? My main reason for doing the podcast is probably the same reason people are listening. Um, health and nutrition can be super complicated. Um, even dietitians and nutritionists get get very confused with all the information coming from all different directions, especially social media. So if we're getting confused with our background in nutrition, I can only imagine the confusion for someone without a background in nutrition. 
Yeah, the um, I've heard it said before, the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. And it's kind of funny because Kyle and I were just talking about this recently and we're currently so immersed in this stuff. Well, currently for the past 10 years, um, we've got our noses in the books. We're learning so much and we're like, oh my God, turns out we don't know anything. Like, what yeah. are we even doing with this podcast? <laughs> like, what? like, But I think the, the real mark of inexperience is thinking you have all the answers. And then once you get into the trenches and the more you learn, the more you're like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, so for me, the real reason that, that I wanted to do this podcast is to provide context. Um, anyone that's ever read any of my blogs knows that uh, I'm rather long-winded. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to just deliver bullet points, even though I know that's what people want to read. Like I know like SEO would be better if I just delivered the bullet points. Um, I know people want to skim through and get the general gist or just a few key takeaways. I do get that and I respect that, but I also feel that I have a responsibility as a nutritionist and educator to give the whole story to provide the context. When it comes to nutrition, context is everything. You will hear me say that time and time again. It's like my tagline. The individual is so incredibly important. The backstory, the genes, the childhood, the hormones, the microbes, the internal landscape, the external landscape, it all matters. There is no one answer. It is never ever that black and white. And I think when we focus on the bullet points, on the black and white, on the yes and no answers, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble. But that's really the current state of affairs because we get our nutrition and health information in sound bites. It's magazine and blog titles. It's a two minute segment on the morning news. It's buzzwords. It's stuff designed to sell. And it flip flops from one moment to the next. One day it's coconut oil is the greatest thing in the world. I got 99 problems and coconut oil solved 87 <laughs> of them. The next day it's coconut oil will kill you dead, 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 so dead. I mean, <laughs> like scary. This is why we're all so confused. We've got yeah. soundbite media, we've got diet culture, and then we've got the feeling that we have to do it all, especially as women, like be all of the things to all of the people. And it's leaving us confused, fearful of foods, overwhelmed and just generally unwell. And so I wanted to create a podcast for that person. Yeah. Amen, sister. All right. So since we're talking about it, what the heck is functional nutrition? Um, Kyle, sometimes I feel like we're in a little bit of a, a bubble with this because we are so immersed in this world and in the whole functional medicine thing. But when we say this term, at least when I do, like I catch blank stares. People are oh, like, yeah. What what is functional nutrition? It's not it's not wide wide known. So why don't you take over with a brief explanation, and then I'll jump in with some of my thoughts. Okay, to explain the approach that we'll be using in this practice, in our in this podcast, and in our practice, uh, we need to define some things. So conventional medicine, CAM, which stands for complementary and alternative medicine, integrative medicine, and then functional medicine. Okay, so here goes. Conventional medicine is usually used in settings like hospitals, doctor's offices, clinics, can involve high-tech procedures, surgery, pharmaceuticals. That's conventional. CAM involves using alternative healing methods like acupuncture, aromatherapy, reflexology, etc. This can be a long list. This can... Um, when this can be very broad, like I said. So when you combine these alternative therapies with conventional medicine, you get 
CAM, Complementary and Alternative Medicine. So somewhere between alternative and conventional medicine is integrative medicine. Integrative medicine combines some mainstream medical therapies with CAM therapies, but still relies on significant significant, uh, scientific evidence to back it up. Uh, The most important aspect of integrative medicine is that it takes a whole person approach instead of a disease or condition centered approach. The last term that we need to go over for this podcast is, drumroll please, functional (laughs) medicine. Obviously the title of our podcast. um, This is taking that whole person approach that focuses on identifying Um, the root cause of diseases and conditions rather than just focusing on what drugs or treatments will alleviate the symptoms but not actually stop what's causing them in the first place. So when I say whole person approach, um, conventional medicine can sometimes feel like you're just matching the symptoms with the prescription drug. So a whole person approach is taking everything into consideration. Well, how are you feeling? How are you sleeping? How's your hydration? How's your diet? How's your stress level? It's everything. It's not just what can be measured in labs. Um, And then you start to figure out, okay, more than what we can do to make your problems go away, why are they showing up in the first place? And then functional medicine uses herbs, botanicals, mind-body therapies, conventional and functional labs, therapeutic food elimination diets, and finally just specific protocols to address the root causes of certain diseases and conditions and, and really start from the roots and work your way up. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, It's not treating the symptoms. It's finding out why you're having the symptoms to begin with. And, you know, you, Kyle, you were throwing out some questions. And I think that's so important because as a practitioner, the way to figure this out is to listen. It's giving people a chance to tell their stories. And as I touched upon earlier, and you did too, with our own personal stories, we we never felt that, you know, with our health issues. We didn't feel like somebody was listening to us until we each found our own functional um, practitioners. And I just think there's so much power and so much information in being able to tell your story. And people just aren't getting that in their lives. I'll share a good quote from Hippocrates, who, as we all know, is like considered the founder of modern medicine. It's far more important to know what person the disease has than what disease the person has. Our current healthcare system is really more of a disease care system. It's a disease-oriented approach versus a person-oriented approach, and we need to start putting the focus back on the person. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you firsthand, working in conventional hospitals, that it's really only about treating the acute problem and discharging. And thank God for that, because when you're in an acute or life-or-death situation, the hospital is absolutely where you should go. It's the first place you go to put out the fire. But it's not the place to go to necessarily find out what started the fire in the first place. Absolutely. I could not have said it better myself. All right, so we've been talking for about a half an hour. So I think with that, let's, uh, let's close it out. Thanks for joining us guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the functional nutrition podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, 
leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.